Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalam ala rasulillah. Continuing with the journey through some of the selections of the du'as and the dhikr found in the amazing book, Hasnul Muslim, we've got to the du'a, ever so important, which is what we say after having made wudu. So the author, he gives it the title, he says, Adhikru ba'd al-faragh min al-wudu. The remembrance that you say once you have finished from making wudu. And it's as follows. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. Asharh, the explanation. Awalan, laftul hadith. Firstly, we look at the wording of the hadith. So this narration is by an Uqba ibn Amr. It's narrated by the companion Uqba ibn Amr radiyallahu anhu. Qal, kanat alayna riayatul ibl. He said, I used to be responsible for taking out the camels to the pastures. فَجَأَتْ نَوْبَتِي فَرَوَحْتُهَا بِعَشِيِّ So one time, I came back with them in the evening. فَأَدْرَكْتُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ سَلَّمُ قَائِمًا يُحَدِّثُ النَّاسِ I met the Prophet ﷺ. I came across the Prophet ﷺ and he was standing talking to the people. فَأَدْرَكْتُ مِنْ قَوْلِهِ مَا مِنْ مُسْلِمٍ يَتَّوَضَّعُ فَيُحْسِنُ وَضُوءَهُ There is no Muslim, the Prophet said, I came upon the statement of the Prophet there is no Muslim that makes wudu and he or she perfects their wudu. ثُمَّ يَقُولُ فَيُسَلِّ رَقَعَتَيْنِ ثُمَّ يَقُومُ فَيُسَلِّ رَقَعَتَيْنِ And then after having perfected their wudu, they get up and they pray two raka' مُقْبِلٌ عَلَيْهِمَا بِقَلْبِهِ وَوَجْهِ and in these two units of prayer, they are focused entirely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with their hearts and their minds. Except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, due to those two rakah, after having performed a perfect wudu, would enter them into Jannah. Jannah would become obligatory for them. So this companion, Uqba ibn Amr, after hearing this, he said, Qultu ma ajwada hadihi. He said, how amazing and how beautiful this speech is. So if they then, once he had said that, there was somebody who said to him the following words. Um, that which you missed, that which was before what you heard, was even greater. Uh, so I looked around and it was Umar radiallahu anhu. Umar said to this companion, I saw you just turn up now. And the Prophet ﷺ said before you came, ما منكم من أحد يتوضأون فيبلغ أو فيصبغ. So there's nobody from amongst you, meaning the Muslims, who stands and makes wudu and then perfects this wudu. ثم يقول and then they say أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد عبده ورسوله إلا فتحت له أبواب الجنة الثمانية يدخل من أيها شاء. So no person makes wudu from the believers. And they perfect their wudu, and then they say this dua that we're taking today: "Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu." That I bear witness that there is none to be worshipped except Allah, and that Muhammad is His slave and messenger. Then this person gets the amazing reward. So the hadith, before we move on, it has two major points uh, in this long hadith. The first of them, the part that the companion caught by himself, was that if you make your wudu and you perfect it and then you pray two raka'ah you pray two units of prayer and your heart is focused on those units of prayer meaning that you're focusing solely on Allah you're not thinking about the pizza in the oven you're not thinking about 
you know, the money that's about to be transferred into your account or anything of that nature, you're solely focusing on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then due to that perfect wudu and due to those two units of prayer that you make, you will enter into Jannah inshallah. Of course, this means somebody's continual upon that in their lives. And then the second part of the hadith, Umar radiallahu anhu, the great companion, he said what you missed before that was even more amazing. And that was that the Prophet said, whoever perfects their wudu, and then they say this dua, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu that they do this then all of the gates of jannah will be open for this person all eight gates and they will enter through any gate that they wish to do so طيب let's go on and take some benefits ثانيًا شرح مفردات الحديث okay explanation of the uh, words of the hadith some of the words in the hadith so the first word in the dua is ashhad Eyewitness, right? That's how we normally translate it. I bear witness. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. I bear witness. The ulama they say, "Aqid wa atarif qawlan bil lisan." It means that I give witness and I give acceptance to it and submission to it with the statement of the tongue, which is when you verbalize it. You say, "Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah." Wa atiqadu bil jannah, and then you also have deep conviction of what you are saying based upon knowledge in your heart. And you act upon that deep conviction of believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone upon your limbs. So all of this is contained in the meaning of Ashad, I bear witness. So when you bear witness to something, you have to have full knowledge of what you are bearing witness to. You have to believe in the fact of what you saw, right? And seeing here is not a literal seeing, rather it's a seeing of knowledge and a seeing of the heart. We see Allah through knowledge and through the heart, okay? And then we complete that with actions uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us to do so. So that's the meaning of ashhad, the meaning of eyewitness, ashhad. And the next statement, an la ilaha illallah, that there is none to be worshipped except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is nafi al-uluhiyya and ghayrihi, that this is taking away any possibility of there being another God, creator, sustainer, provider, Protector besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is nafi al-uluhiyya and ghayrihi thumma athbataha lahu wahdahu fala ma'bud bihaq illahu. So this is denying that there can be anyone worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in truth. So there's none to be worshipped in truth. Why do you say in truth and in reality? Because there are many gods that are taken besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some people take, take their own desires as a god. Some people take money as a god. Some people they take rich and famous people, personalities as gods besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Others, they have statues or they worship the prophets and the angels, etc. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught us that لا معبود بحق إلا الله There is none to be worshipped in truth except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next statement, وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ So after you say, أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ You say, وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ and this is like a further emphasis on the statement that we just said, on saying La ilaha illallah, that there's none to be worshipped in truth except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you go on and you say Wahdahu la sharika lahu, you're saying that he is alone and the, that he has absolutely no partner with him in that which is specific to him, in that which is specific to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nobody that sustains belong, uh, besides Allah, there's nobody that shares Allah's powers, there's nobody that shares Allah's attributes, etc, etc. He is the owner of all that exists. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Hadith Al-Qudsi in Sahih Muslim, أَنَّ أَغْنَى شُرَكَائِ أَنِ الشِّرْكِ 
I am the greatest and richest of all. I have no need for any partners. Allah has no need for any partners. There is none that shares with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Man amila amila ashraka fihi ma'i ghayri taraktuhu wa shirkuhu. And the hadith continues that whoever does an action associating into the action other than me, then I will reject that person and I will reject that action. Why? As mentioned in the hadith, because Allah is fully rich, fully independent. He has no need of anybody else and none can share with him in that which is specific to Allah So the meaning of wahdahu la sharika lahu is a further emphasis of what we mentioned, la ilaha illallah. And then the statement, وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبَدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ And I give witness and testify and accept and acknowledge based upon knowledge and based upon conviction that the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is Allah's Abd, Allah's servant and his Rasul, his messenger. قَوْلُهُ رَسُولُهُ أَيْ أَلَّذِي أَرْسَلَهُ اللَّهُ بِالْحُدَى وَدِينِ الْحَقِّ لِيُذْهِرَهُ عَلَى دِينِ كُلِّهِ when we say that we believe in the Messenger Muhammad وسلم, it means that we believe in the one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent with the guidance and the complete religion, the perfect religion to become superior over all other ways of life. Okay? The youth here and he is the messenger not only to the human beings, but he's also the messenger to the jinn, the other creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no prophet that will come after Muhammad So some points pertaining to أَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ Points pertaining to I bear witness that Muhammad is the last and final messenger and slave of Allah The first of them That for you to truly qualify this statement that you are saying you must have That you obey the Prophet in that which he has commanded so you cannot be saying like, there's no need for me to grow the beard for men. There's no need for me as a man to pray in the masjid. There's no need for me as a woman to wear the hijab, though the Prophet ﷺ commanded all of these things. How can you truly testify that Muhammad ﷺ is your guide and your messenger, and you believe that he was sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the last and final messenger to guide you away from the hellfire and to guide you to Jannah, yet you're not being obedient to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. So ta'atuhu fi ma'amr, obeying him, the Messenger وسلم, in that which he commanded. And to believe in everything that the Prophet وسلم, narrated to us, which we find in the Quran or the authentic ahadith. So when a narration comes to you from the Prophet وسلم, and you know it to be authentic, you have to accept it. You cannot have doubt in it. You cannot say, well, that was for a particular time. That was for the time of the early Arabs, etc. As some foolish people say, now we're living in modern times, we have to have a different guidance. No, whatever the Prophet has told us about the unseen world or the seen world with regards to prohibitions and commands, etc. We believe in everything that the Prophet said. The third thing is to avoid everything that the Prophet told us to avoid. And the fourth thing, not to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except through the guidance that the Prophet gave us. You cannot make up an act of worship. You cannot say today, okay, I feel like praying, my iman is high, so I'm going to pray Fajr three raka'at instead of two raka'at. You can't do that. Why? Because ibadah, worship, is what we call tawqifiyya. It stops. You cannot move unless you're given permission in worship by Allah and the Prophet 
on be from the Prophet on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when people they say, for example, that you know we feel that we really should love the Prophet more. And due to that love, we want to celebrate the birthday of the Prophet Make it a festival like the Christians have for Jesus, peace be upon him. Make it a festival so big that we're going to be super attached to the Prophet They come with these ideas from their own minds. None of this is valid. If it's not found upon the tongue of the Prophet as understood by the companions of the Prophet in terms of implementation, then we reject it. We cannot do it. So Muhammad linguistically, the name, this beautiful name Muhammad, when we say Ashhadu Anna Muhammad, who is Muhammad? What does it mean? Muhammad means the one who is praised. And that is the reality of the final messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Muhammad sallallahu is praised, as Allah says in Surah Al-Qalam, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ And you, O Muhammad sallallahu are on us for, for sure and certainly on a high level of good character. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises him. And he says also in the same surah, وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ In Surah Al-Sharh, وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ We have raised for you, O Muhammad your remembrance. Okay, So Muhammad is praised both in terms of his being, of having amazing character, and the most perfect of human beings that ever lived, and also in the sense, وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ That we have raised for you your remembrance. So wherever you are in the world, you will find five times a day that, Allah, that when Allah's name is mentioned in the call to prayer and also in the prayer itself, also Muhammad وسلم, his name is mentioned. So with all the geographical locations through the different time zones, five times a day in each time zone, how many times is that in the world? So many different times, the name of the Prophet وسلم, is being mentioned. So he is the one who is truly praised. And when we uh, talk about Muhammad we have to remind ourselves that we should love the Prophet but we shouldn't be from those as mentioned in passing that we make this love up in the wrong ways that we start to uh, praise the Prophet in extreme poetry so there's people that praise the Prophet in poetry and within that poetry you find that there are meanings which are not befitting to be given to the Prophet it's as though they are giving the Prophet attributes which belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so at times shaitan he will come to people and he will misguide them out of their so-called love for the Prophet ﷺ. Rather true love of the Prophet ﷺ is to obey the messenger, to get to know him through his life, to get to know his teachings and to love his teachings, obey his teachings and to spread his teachings. So we said, Ashhadwan la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. And the word abd, meaning the slave of Allah Azawajal. So the Prophet ﷺ is a slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أي الذي حقق العبودية على أكمل الوجوه وجاهد في دعوة الناس إليها That the Prophet ﷺ, he established this, um, this maqam, this, um, this level which is known as of ubudiyya, of servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of being a slave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the most complete and perfect sense. So there's nobody closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of submission to Allah azawajal more than the Prophet was. That's why this term abd, okay, it's something for the Prophet and for the believers, which is a, a term which is a term of honoring. Okay? When we are slaves, we're not slaves like slaves to anything in the world. 
we are slaves to the Creator, the most perfect, the one most deserving of us being slaves to Him. And when we attach ourselves to Allah as being slaves, it means that we have turned away from being slaves to materialistic matters, or being slaves to personalities, or being slaves to false gods. So it's a really high status that we are putting ourselves upon. And the Prophet because he reached the highest level of ubudiyah, okay, in terms of حقق الْعُبُودِيَ عَلَىٰ أَكْمِلُ الْوُجُوهِ that he completed it, this servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the best of ways, then it's a term of honor. Okay, so abduhu meaning the slave of the of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Laysa shay'un ashraf min al-ubudiyya wa la ismin atam lil mu'min min wasf bil ubudiyya. As I just mentioned, that there's nothing which is more complete in terms of describing uh, this, the, the relationship that a believer has with Allah azawajal in terms of servitude, that we are true slaves to Allah Azawajal. We submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we fulfill the commands of Allah Azawajal out of love and out of awe. So millions of people sadly, they, they have been misguided by exaggerating the Prophet Muhammad And you find many of them, they call upon the Prophet instead of calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly. They believe some of them that the Prophet is able to visit them in their masajid instead of being in his grave. They believe some of them that the Prophet ﷺ, if you call upon him, he will answer your needs. So all of these are things which the people have gone to extreme with, with regards to the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. And none of this is befitting because it's following the ways of the Christians and the other misguided sects and religions that came before them. The Prophet ﷺ said clearly in the hadith in Sahih Bukhari, and people should listen to this, they should note it, understand it and teach it to those that have gone astray if they are able to do so. The Prophet ﷺ said, لا تطروني كما أطرت النصارى ابن مريم إنما أنا عبد فقولوا عبد الله ورسوله. The Prophet ﷺ said, and the hadith in Bukhari, لا تطروني. Don't go to the extremes with regards to me. كما أطرت النصارى ابن مريم. Like the Christians went to extreme with Isa, the son of Mary. Okay. Rather, I am an abd, I am a slave, I am in servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, alone. Uh, Abdullah, so say to me, Abdullah wa Rasulullah, say to me that I am the slave of Allah and his messenger. This is how the Prophet ﷺ commanded the believers to describe him. Yes, he's the best of all creation. Yes, he's the one we love the most out of all creation. Yes, he's the closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he's not sharing in any way, shape or form any of the rights that belong to Allah Azawajal, any of the attributes that belong to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and in the Quran, in Surah Al Jin, Allah Azawajal mentions, "وَأَنَّ الْمَسَاجِدَ لِلَّهِ فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا." In Surah Al Jin, that know for sure that the masajid, the places of worship, and also the limbs that you use for worship, belong to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala alone. So do not call upon other than Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. This you will find in Surah Al Jin, verse eighteen. And also in the same surah, Allah says, or that the Prophet is commanded to say, قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَدْعُوا رَبِّي وَلَا أُشْرِكُ بِهِ أَحَدًا Say to them, O Muhammad that certainly I only call upon my Lord. I do not associate anybody with him. So if this is the case that the Prophet is calling only upon Allah then we also have to do the same. And also in the same surah, verse 21, قُلْ إِنِّي لَا أَمْلِكُ لَكُمْ ضَرٌ وَلَا رَشَدًا Say, O Muhammad to them, clarify to them, make it clear that I do not, I do not have in my possession, in my control, 
any benefit for you or any harm for you any guidance for you or any harm for you meaning that this is only with the permission of Allah okay Imam Sa'di he says pertaining to this verse verily and certainly I am a slave I'm in servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I don't have anything to do with the command or the affairs of the universe this all belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so why did I go into this aspect in detail pertaining to Muhammad is because sadly people have gone astray in this issue and we need to rectify ourselves and rectify others with love and compassion and bring them back to the correct understanding of what it means when we say Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu which is the dua that we are taking today you say it after wudu ma yustafadu min al hadith what do we benefit from the hadith? Firstly, حرص الصحابة على ملازمة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وتفريغ الوقت لذلك. The we benefit how eager the companions were. Look at this companion who's narrating the hadith. Uqba ibn Amr radiyallahu anhu. He had a hard day taking out the camels out to the pasture and staying with them. Yet as soon as he was free from that, he rushed to try and find the Prophet to listen to some of the words of the Prophet So the Sahaba, they were always keen, the companions, they were keen to be around the Prophet because they wanted to benefit from the guidance that the Prophet had brought with. So we ask Allah and we hope that we are also getting some of that reward because what are we doing now? We're trying to free ourselves up so that we can be with the Prophet so that we can learn from his words and that we can learn from his guidance. So we hope that we also get some of that reward. Secondly, that when a person completes their wudu in the best of manners and then they pray two rak'ah after wudu, focusing only on Allah having tranquility of the heart and submission of the limbs then this is like a guarantee for them that they will enter into Jannah not if they just do it once but if they do this continually in their lives they strive to do it continually quick question to yourselves if anybody wants to answer which companion was famously known for have for praying two rakah after wudu which companion was famously known it was Bilal radiallahu anhu the great companion Bilal radiallahu anhu because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said uh, what is it Bilal that you are doing because verily I hear your footsteps in Jannah so Bilal radiallahu anhu said I cannot think of anything much that I do except that every time I make wudu after doing the wudu I pray two units of prayer طيب, also we take from this benefit in the hadith that we are taking فضلوا هذا الذكر بعد الوضوء الكمال وأنه سبب لدخول الجنة من أي باب من أبوابها ثمانية we take from it that this dhikr that you say أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله that this is a key to the gates of Jannah because the Prophet said in the hadith that we are taking uh, that whoever said it uh, then the eight gates of Jannah will be open for that person and they can then the Prophet then the person enters whatever gates they wish to do so um, and also we take point number six الصواب والمسنون قول هذا الذكر مرة واحدة خلاف لمن قال بقوله ثلاث مرات لأن الحديث الوارف ثلاث ضعيف جدا that this dhikr that we are mentioning is only supposed to be said once after making the wudu you do not say it three times as some people do why? because the hadith which mentions three times is extremely weak in its authenticity 
as mentioned by the great Imam, Imam al-Nawawi and Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy upon them both. Tayyib. Um, some people, they look up to the sky when making this dhikr. Okay, when they say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu rasuluhu, they do it while looking up to the sky. Okay, Shaykh Salih al-Usaymi, may Allah preserve him, he said that this dhikr, if you do this, it's jaiz, it's permissible, but not matloob, but it's not sought for you to do it. You shouldn't do it. But if you went and did it, it's okay. There's nothing major on you, but you shouldn't do it. Why? Because it's permissible in the sense that the Prophet ﷺ, in many times when he would make dua, he would raise his finger and look up to the sky, or he would look up to the sky when making dua in many different situations. But it's not matloob, it's not sought from us to do this, I'm saying, or the Shaykh is telling us why, because it's not authentically reported that in this situation that you do it. But a person may be confused that hang about in all the other situations, so many others, the Prophet ﷺ would look up to the sky. So uh, that's why Shaykh Saleh Usaymi, Al Usaymi is mentioning, Hafizahullah, that if a person does do it, it's jaz, it's, it's, it's allowed. We won't say there's a sin upon the person, but it's not matloob, it's not something they should do, however. Tayyip, moving on to the next narration that we want to take today, uh, pertaining to what you say after wudu. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant, astaghfiruka wa atubu alayk. Saying, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashhadu an la ilaha illa Allah, ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant, astaghfiruka wa atubu alayk. Okay? Awalan, laftul hadith. This hadith. Uh, narrated by Abi Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu okay? that the Prophet said man tawadda'a faqal whoever makes wudu and says after they have done the wudu subhanaka Allahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk kutiba fi riqin then after saying this thing kutiba fi riqin then it will be written in a riq these words I'm going to explain it will be written in a riq ثُمَّ طُبِعَ بِطَابَعَ Then it will be sealed. فَلَمْ يُكْسَرْ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ And then this, this, um, this document, so to speak, will not be opened until the Day of Judgment. And this is Lafzul Nisa'i. Imam Nisa'i, the great Hadith scholar, he's the one who collected this narration. So again, the Hadith is saying from Abi Sa'id al-Khudi that whoever makes wudu, the Prophet Sallallahu said, and then he says these words, سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ وَبِحَمْدِكَ أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ لَا أَنْتَ أَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَأَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ These amazing words, then it will be written in a parchment, and it will be sealed, and it won't be opened until the Day of Judgment. Um, this hadith was authenticated by Shaykh al-Albani, may Allah have mercy upon him, in Irwa al-Ghalil. طيب, شرح مفردات الحديث Explanation of some of the vocab of the hadith. Subhanak Allahumma. When we say Subhanak Allahumma, okay? أي أنزهك عن كل النقص وعيب فأنت صاحب الأسماء الحسنى وصفات العلا. When you say Subhanak Allahumma, you are making tanzeeh of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, as we mentioned previously in lessons. You are declaring that Allah is free from any deficiency, okay, in His names and His attributes. That all of his names and his attributes, everything about Allah is perfect and lofty. Imam Tabari, Imam Tabari, the great scholar of Tafsir and other sciences, he says, Tanzihan lak. We are saying that our Allah, when we say Subhanak Allahumma, we are saying that our Allah, we're declaring that you are free, our Allah, and perfect from any imperfections. Ya Rabb, mimma adafa ilayka ahlu shirk. 
we are, we are doing this because so many millions, if not billions of people who are polytheists in various forms, they do this to you sadly. They ascribe to you that you need to sleep. They ascribe to you that you have a wife. They ascribe to you that you have a, a son, etc., etc. May Allah be, uh, Allah is truly removed. Allah is removed from all of these things. Okay? And it is a word, it is a phrase that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased for Himself when one says this. Okay? When we say, Subhanakallahumma, we're saying, Allah, we are declaring and we know and we admit. And we happily declare that you are free from all imperfections. And then the next word, wabihamdika. After saying Subhanakallahumma, you say wabihamdika. Ay, laka thana al jamil al khalis ala na'maika allati la tuhsa. When we say wabihamdika, we are saying, declaring that Allah, all praise, beautiful praise, and sincere praise belongs to you. Why? Because we've mentioned before, due to the fact that Allah Azzawajal is, is perfect in everything about Him, so He deserves to be praised. And for the fact that momentarily in our lives, moment after moment, Allah Azzawajal is giving us blessings. So for each of those blessings, we need to thank and praise Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. وَبِحَمْدِكَ Imam Nawi rahimullah, he mentions that it also means that I thank you and recognize that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, that this tasbih, this glorification that I'm making, it was only because you allowed me to do it in the first place. It was only because you gifted it to me out of guidance and ability. So this, this is why I need to thank you even more. I need to praise you even more because you allowed me to praise you in the first place. So when a person has this type of attitude in their life, which is a reality, it's not just a feel-good kind of way we should think. It's actually a reality that there is no good that we do except that Allah guided to, us to it and allowed us to do it. Then it saves us from being arrogant. And it always reminds us that we need to be attached to Allah Azawajal. We need to lower our, uh, our uh, souls that want to be haughty and um, known by people and praised by people. We need to control that and remember that the reality is that I have no good in me. The only good that I'm doing is because it's a gift from Allah Azawajal. So I should never be arrogant. I should always be thankful to Allah, continually attached to Allah Azawajal so that He can enable us to do more and more. And then the person says after that, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, we got to now where you say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. And we took this already. I bear witness that there's none to be worshipped or that there's none, there's no God in truth except you, are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ay la ma'abud bihaq illa ant. That there's no God in truth to be worshipped except you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The more we study tawheed, the more we study aqeedah, the more we study about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through the Quran, the Sunnah and the statements of the scholars, the more you will have full knowledge and certainty that Allah alone is the one that deserves to be worshipped. He's the one alone that I should be attached to. And everything else is just foolish. It's just foolish misguidance. The more the certainty increases, the more your heart and soul becomes attached to Allah, the more love and awe you will have of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To the extent that you will become a person that you would, won't be able to contain it. This beautiful knowledge that you're receiving about Allah Azawajal, these beautiful feelings of being connected to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, you won't be able to contain that excitement. You'll become a person who starts to call others to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and this is also what is required. In Surah Yusuf, Allah Azawajal says about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Say, O Muhammad, this is my path, meaning Islam. Adu Allah, I call upon Allah, I call people to Allah, ala basiratin, upon clear guidance and clear knowledge. Anna, وَمَنَ اتَّبَعَنِي Me and those who follow me. 
So if we are from followers of Muhammad وسلم, that we need to also call to the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَسُبْحَانَ وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And glory be to Allah, I am not from those who are ones who make shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So after saying Ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiru after saying the first part of the hadith uh, which was gone from my head Ashhadu la ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharik let's go back Ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk we come now to the word where you say astaghfiruka meaning that Allah astaghfiruka from the word istighfar astaghfiruka atlubu minka maghfira maghfirat adh-dhunub saghiruha wa kabiraha Allah, I'm seeking from you when I say astaghfiruka that you forgive all of my sins, the, the big of them and the small of them, because you are the one that accepts tawbah. Imam Atibi he said, Al Ghufran wal Maghfira min Allah. Forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, huwa abd min an yamasahu al adab. It is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects the slave due to this forgiveness that the slave is seeking with sincerity and, and feverishly seeking that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects the slave from any harm, any punishment. Okay? And as, as the ulama, they said, that there is no small sin if it is continued. The sin is not considered small if it's done continually. If it's done continually, now that's a huge situation. It becomes a big sin. And there is no big sin, meaning that a sin which cannot be forgiven, if you seek istighfar, if you make tawbah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we say astaghfiruka, we are seeking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we say further, atubu ilayk. Ay, a'udu ilayka nadiman ala iqtiraf al-dham, muqli'an anhu ghayru musir ala al-awdati ilayhi. I, when I say atubu ilayk, it has the meaning of returning to Allah. Allah, after having done this sin, I'm seeking forgiveness from you. I want to turn away from it and I want to come back to your obedience. That is the reality of tawbah, a tawbah to nadm. Okay? A nadm tawbah, that remorsefulness is the reality of tawbah. So somebody may be saying, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, yeah, he's texting his girlfriend. She's texting her boyfriend. They're saying astaghfirullah, but they're watching a movie which has bad scenes or bad words, right? So it doesn't really make sense. You say astaghfirullah, you seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but the fundamental thing in that forgiveness is that you have deep remorse, that you don't want to return to the evil that you fell into. Imam Tirmidhi, he has a beautiful narration from Abdullah ibn Masudin radiallahu anhu, who said, this great companion, he said, Inna al-mu'min that verily a believer he sees himself and his in regards to his uh, sins as though he's sitting at the bottom of a huge mountain okay he's fearful that this mountain is about to fall on top of me so that's the feeling tremendous overwhelming feeling that a true believer feels when they go against the guidance of Allah they feel sincere remorse وَأَمَّا الْمُنَافِقِ يَرَادُ نُوبَهُ كَأَنَّهُ ذُبَابُ نعم كَأَنَّهُ ذُبَابُ وَقَعَ عَلَىٰ أَنْفِهِ فَقَالَ بِهِ هَكَذَا As for the hypocrite, he or she sees their sins as though it's just a fly that sat on their nose and they just wiped it away, of no consequence. So that's the difference between one who has true faith and the one that doesn't have true faith. We ask Allah to give us true faith. So this narration that we were looking at, okay, where the Prophet ﷺ taught us to say this after wudu, 
من توضأ فقال هو سيز هو بمكس الوضوء دين سيز سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك it has these meanings and then once the person says this it's put into a parchment it's written on um, some type of um, material made from leather jilt let's say jilt skin leather these kind of things right and it's like a parchment it's rolled up and it's sealed and it's raised up high and it's kept with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until the day of judgment some narrations it's mentioned that it's under the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala due to how much Allah honors this statement and loves this statement okay it's kept with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the person will benefit from it on the day of judgment inshallah and it's not opened nobody's allowed to touch it until the day of judgment I think we'll stop here